this career is brutal. It's not for everybody. But if you are wanting to do it, make sure you give it everything you have and make sure you understand that you're going to face a lot of difficult moments and probably more difficult moments than good ones. But those difficult moments will make those good ones. Yeah, when we lift the trophy, when you get a player of the year, whatever it may be, they make it so much sweeter. Welcome to The Performance Lab, a new podcast that explores the behaviours of elite sports people to give you the blueprint for success both on and off the pitch. Each episode, we'll be speaking to the most compelling people in sport to understand the secrets of elite performance and help you to learn from them. My name is Ben Welch and this week I'll be discussing resilience with Everton and Bosnia-Herzegovina goalkeeper Azmir Begovic and my co-host and performance guru Ryan Wilson. The life of an elite athlete is stressful. Talent and hard work will get you in the game, but it's resilience that keeps you at the top. Do you have the mental strength to bounce back from setbacks? Can you cope with the criticism and expectation? It's not about manning up and shutting out your emotions. It's about understanding your thought process and devising a strategy for dealing with failure. That's exactly what Azmir Begovic has managed to do across a 16-year career that shows no signs of slowing down. Spark it into life properly from a Bournemouth point of view. Here comes Bon. Oh, he's got past Kirkin. That's good goalkeeping there from Azmir Begovic. He read the situation really well. Bon got past Kirkin, then Begovic was out to dive on the ball right on the edge of his 18-yard area. Given away at the back by Steve Cook and Lewis Cook. Here's Amos, he's got support to his right-hand side, lays it off. Great save from Azmir Begovic and the feet to put it behind from a corner. It was Macaulay Bon who was through on goal. Couldn't Hi, Azmir. Great to see you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, how have you been and how is pre-season? Well, guys, uh, first and foremost, thanks a lot for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you, um, with you guys. Um, and everything's okay. Everything's under control. Pre-season is going, going as well as can be expected. Um, you know, it's never, it's never easy. Um, in all the years that I've done it, it's never gotten any easier. So, um, but it's going well and uh, I can't complain. Fantastic. Um, so, first of all, let me introduce you to Ryan of Backtraction. Ryan is my co-host, uh, performance coach. Not my performance coach, but a performance coach. He actually works with elite athletes rather than amateurs like myself, and he helps them achieve optimal nice. performance. Now, before we get into the questions, I just wanted to take a quick look back at your life and your career. You had an incredibly difficult start to life. You were forced to flee Bosnia and Herzegovina at just four years old as war ripped through your country. But thankfully, you were granted asylum in Germany before moving to Canada. You managed to come through this challenging period in your life to carve out an incredible career as a top-level goalkeeper, playing for Portsmouth, Stoke City, Chelsea, AC Milan, and now Bournemouth, to name but a few. You won Stoke City's Player of the Year in 2013. You represented your country at a World Cup in 2014, and you won the Premier League title with Chelsea in 2017. You've lived quite the life so far, overcome adversity um, to achieve great things. Do you ever... Take a minute to look back and cherish what you've achieved. Well, Ben, I mean, a short answer, no, um, I don't. I, um, you know, I, as you said, a lot has happened in my life and, um, and I wouldn't change that for the world. I think it's, it's, it's helped shape me the way that I am today. Um, but I, ha I haven't really spent much time reflecting because I'm so focused on continuing to do what I what I am doing and I was just trying to be better trying to get better and trying to play and be a footballer and a goalkeeper for as long as I possibly can so 
I don't think there is really much time to reflect. I think one day, yeah, one day, I'm sure when it's all said and done, uh, I'll look back and, and think, okay, this, this, this maybe went pretty well, or I'll have something where I think it could go better, but I've never really spent time to reflect. No, I, I've just been so focused on the now and trying to make the most of everything that's ahead of me. I guess that's the attitude that has led you to achieve what you have today. Now, speaking about your journey as a refugee, you said, it's definitely instilled that resilience and mental toughness in me. I saw things firsthand that kids shouldn't see. To come out of those circumstances and do what I've been blessed to do for many years now, no negative times get me down. It definitely humbled me. I know what it's like to be a refugee. Can you tell me what kind of things you saw and how that experience has shaped your mindset? Yeah, well, I think you you get into situations which you would have never thought of or dreamed of as, as any kid or any person, really, you know, having to uproot your family, pack up your car. Next thing you know, you're, you're trying to find some sort of accommodation anywhere and then a new life in different countries and and that's yeah that's not, that's just never easy and it's not something you can really ever prepare for so it's just something that um, hits you and you have to deal with um, and as you said it's it's those situations that ultimately you understand where life can be almost at rock bottom and um, once you've experienced that everything else doesn't seem such a big of a problem so when it comes to sport and different things uh, yes, it makes you very driven because you don't want to go back to where you potentially have been, um, but also it can level things out for you because if you if you've have overcome these challenges in life, then playing football isn't such a big deal after all. So, would you say that the resilience, especially in a position like goalkeeper, where you know you make a mistake and it can cost the team, that experience as traumatic as it was, it has instilled a resilience in you, as you said, that has enabled you to perform at the top level and move on from errors, which is quite often what a lot of athletes and players struggle with. They make a mistake and they can't let it go. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that, that's that's true. I mean, I really can't speak for too many other athletes. You know, everyone has their own individual coping mechanisms or things that gets them through the things. I, I've never been a, I guess, can, you, can, we, can we use the term micro analyzer or whatever it may be? I've never looked at one good thing or bad thing or one mistake I sort of look at times and you know you go through good times and bad times and and ultimately it's the, the, the people who can deal with difficulty the best I think that that kind of survive and and persevere for the longest because you know whether that might be an injury whether that might be a case of your career isn't going the way you go or private you know personal private problems whatever that may be I think as long as you can come out, out of those times in the best possible shape then and that sets you up for sort of long-term success, in my opinion. Do other do other athletes or players ever comment on your mindset? Because obviously, I've spoken to you before, and I'm always, even after this many times chatting to you, I'm always surprised by your level of stoicism. And do do, do you have other players that are kind of taken aback by your ability to just be on an even kill? Yeah, of course. I mean, we we, we do speak. I mean, even senior players, we we always speak about different things and different situations, and. Um, you know, they they take some things on board and some some guys, it doesn't work for them. I mean, as I say, I can't replicate what I went through with them. Um, I think if they if they did, then maybe it would help them at times and really humble them and I think put, thing, put things in perspective. Um, and then I look at the younger players who I speak to. And again, I try and, I try and help them in terms of what I've been through, of course, and just giving them some sort of wisdom because... As you say, some people, too many, 
I feel like too many athletes and young athletes, and maybe now because everything is so overanalyzed and everything, get caught up in, in small things. Oh, that was a, a bad half. And that, that was a bad game. Now, that was maybe a bad action in, in the game. But really, it's about who can put together, how can you, you know, let that be one. But why doesn't it let that be one out of 10? Don't let that be two in a row, three in a row. And I think if you do that, then what's the, what's the biggest level of performance or the highest level of performance? And what's the key to highest level of performance is consistency. So I think if you can do something 80, 90% well and just limit the, the not so good stuff to 10 to 20, I think that sort of even keelness helps you a lot more and, and minimizes the problems you might face. Now, I'm an Arsenal fan, Asmir. <laughs> okay. And, and uh, your Stoke team used to really piss me off uh, for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> we just couldn't beat you. If you were going to go and play Stoke, we were playing Stoke, I knew we were going to lose. Um, I've always wondered what it was like in the dressing room because that Stoke team, because it feels like a team that embodied resilience. Like, um, yeah, what was it like? And what was it like when you knew you were playing teams like Arsenal who you just kind of had something over them? Well, listen, we, um, we had a philosophy in that team, and especially the first sort of three or four years I was there, that we were going to be one of the hardest working teams. We're going to be one of the tightest knit teams um we we're going to be one of the strongest teams physically um that i was it was, was also obviously running but also in duels and in battles whatever it may be so we knew our identity and we never went out too far away from that now i think it evolved a little bit over time but not for not for long um but we knew what we were and we could we could really execute that really well if we said so we're going to play teams that maybe have more talent than us at their game, um, we, we probably wouldn't win. We wouldn't have a chance to win. So we knew what we were. We were a strong team. We were a close team. Some of the best teams I was on, honestly, it was just so much fun to be with these guys. I think there was a lot more, a lot of like-minded players and people in that building. And um, that, that's what got us our success. And whenever we played in Arsenal or Man United and Man City now, it's 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 normal to, to know well, to know that they're going to have a big array of talent, but where we could really focus in on, and that doesn't take as much skill as how hard you work and how hard you play the game, and you know those are the sort of things that we really focused on and tried to be the the best that we could. So obviously you've had a brilliant career so far, playing for some of the biggest clubs in the world, where you've won titles, but you've also had some low points too. What has been the most difficult period of your playing career? And how did you draw on different experiences from your life to get through that period? Well, the probably most difficult period for me when, when I go back at it was, was, was coming through as a professional. Um, I was 18. I signed a professional contract at Portsmouth. I was loaned out to the middle of nowhere in Belgium for a year. I was 18. First time, you know, I lived on my own in digs in England, but first time living in a, in a, in a foreign country or in, a, in an apartment looking after myself. And I didn't know where, they, where, where I was even. And, you know, you go to a team that has huge problems, financial problems, everything else. And I'm, I'm stuck in the middle of nowhere. And then I'm thinking, well, I'm supposed to be part of a Premier League club and I'm supposed to be a Premier League goalkeeper at some point. Well, that, that seems an awful, awful long way away. So, you know, what, what happens? And, you know, I, I was lost. I, I was very lucky that a new goalkeeper coach, David Coles, came into Portsmouth with, with Harry Redknapp that winter. We're talking about, um, you know, obviously 13, 14 years ago now. 
and he saw something in me and said, I need, I need asthma back. And then that's when I started building my career. But I remember that 18 to 19, I really felt lost. I really felt like I was a ways away from where I needed to be. And, you know, that perseverance of just not knowing anything else, but just working hard, continuing to believe in yourself is what got me through. And then someone else saw that, saw that talent as well. And that obviously helps you a lot. Asmir, what kind of things go through your mind as a young player coming through? What kind of things are going through your mind? Obviously, like you say, you've gone to Belgium, you're in the middle of nowhere, but there is a period of your career where games were a lot less up until 2009, 2010. How are you, how are you playing the long game approach? And you know, what advice would you then give back to some of the younger players coming through? Because football is a longer game approach. Yeah, so the thing that, that helped me was that I had a little bit of security in the fact that I had a long-term contract. So Portsmouth at the time, the club believed in me long-term. And, and as a player, you never see it long-term, but you see like, well, I'm in the middle of nowhere in Belgium. I'm not playing any games. Um, you know, I'm not really enjoying training. I'm not enjoying life. I don't know what's going on. But the only good thing is I still had a contract. So I needed somebody in that club to believe in me and show me the way. Um, and that's, that's obviously what, what ultimately happened. But in that time, you almost start thinking, well, how, how am I going to go from being in a small Belgian team to not to the Premier League? You think it's almost impossible. But step by step, it was never what I didn't know that, of course, it's not going to happen overnight. So I, I was thinking, well, they're, they're breeding me to play in the Premier League team. And what really is, you have to do building blocks. And I had to go back and I had to train. I had to get my game ready. And then you had to hit that ceiling where training was not enough and you have to get the games. And then you go on, on loan to a League Two side and then you work your way up through League One. So what I didn't know then, and I always say to youngsters now that it's a process. I believe, well, at 18, I was offered a five-year contract that it's to be a professional and um, I'll be in Portsmouth's first team in a couple of years, no problem. But what I don't know is that actually that doesn't work that way. There is actually a process of having to learn the game and having to understand how to actually play the game properly at the highest level. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, and it keeps coming out to me that there's almost an appreciation of trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. Um, and, I'm, you know, I've always said trauma breeds a completely different and open mindset, um, yeah. whether that's illness, whether that's near death or whether that's up and in just moving. So hearing you saying about trust the process, trust the process, when you see younger players, especially some of the ones I work with at the moment, coming through who've only known the luxury process, mm -hmm. some of them are taking this process for granted and they want now, 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 now. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily as patient and have that kind of foresight as you. Um, you know, how, how would you kind of give these individuals um, kind of advice or give the parents advice to allow them to appreciate what the journey's like in the process? Well, that's such a difficult thing these days, isn't it, Ryan? I mean, it's, um, you talk about luxury um, environments, a lot of, especially kids now, I mean, the higher talent, the kids, I mean, the environments that go in there, they're unbelievable. We, we as kids could have only ever dreamed of being in, in those sort of environments. So how do they, how do they keep grounded? How do they keep level-headed? You, you don't, it, it's, it, it can be very difficult. Now, of course, can you keep them sheltered and keep it, can you keep them grounded? That's, that's the first thing. That's probably the first question. 
And then second of all, I think, you know, players and kids, younger players, they have to taste the real world the sooner, the sooner the better. Uh, the more you keep them sheltered, the more difficult it is because one day the real world will, will, will hit them. I mean, I, I was at Portland, even as, you know, then when I was younger, you know, I was a Premier League club and some good players and you had your kit washed every day and you had your kid in your place every day. I go on loan to Macclesfield and, you know, we, we don't necessarily have lunch after training every day. And you understand that every, every penny that you earn after, at a game or every draw or every point you win is a huge thing for people's livelihoods. And you then understand the real world, what it means to, to prepare every day, to train every day, to get ready for those games and ultimately perform and get something from those games on the weekend. So that mindset, learning what it takes to, to obviously earn your bread was, was, was huge. And I say that to, to youngsters all the time, make sure you get out, play, understand what it means to be a professional. Don't be in your, in your little shell and, and think, okay, it's nice to be here. And really there's no consequence to what you do. And I always thought that also helped me as a person because they helped me take responsibility, give me responsibility. I looked after myself. I had to feed myself. I had to get myself ready and I had to either sink or swim. And, you know, thankfully I was able to get through that time. And, and you go through those good times and bad times because you can go to these loan spells and they could be, they could be bad. And you have to still persevere. You have to still believe. You have to still keep going. And they can be good and give you confidence to really achieve and kick on even more. So they're so beneficial all, the, all, all around, whichever way you look at it. Fast forward to the start of the 2019-20 season and things weren't going particularly well at Bournemouth. You went on loan to Carabag and then AC Milan before returning to Bournemouth at the start of last season, 2020-21. And you end up finishing that season as runner-up in the club's Player of the Season award. So you've gone from the point where you were maybe leaving the club to becoming one of the most important players, if not the most important player in the team. What part did resilience play in getting you through that experience? Well, there you go. So so we, we talk about being one of my lowest moments at 18. We fast forward 14 years. I, as you say, I, I you know, I, I joined Bournemouth in 2017. I played 60 games in a row. The manager then, the club decides to to say we're going in a different direction and you're you're stuck so you either stay there and do nothing which was never really my 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 my, my mindset or you do something about it and what i've learned in the past you know i had two three months of i knew i was in the out of bournemouth and two three months of thinking what am i going to do and what do what do you do again well you believe in yourself you trust in yourself I took whatever opportunity I can get. I went to Azerbaijan, as you said, to play. And I played three and a half months. I played every game. We played the league, Europa League. And I'm, one, I had an unbelievable life experience. I mean, I, I would recommend it to anyone. And that's, that was important for me as a person. And next thing you know, AC Milan come calling. And that's how you do it, by doing, believing in yourself, believing in the process. And if you have control, you, you, good things will happen. If you don't have control and, and you're not doing your thing, then you're relying on others and that becomes a different problem. And then, as you say, that's what happened. I went there three and a half months, boom, I went to AC Milan, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the world. You come back, you're there, you know, one of the best players of the, in the team and you have a really good season. So it goes all back to just believing in what you do, believing in the process. And, um, you know, if you continue to do that, rather focus in those two, three months, you know, I could have said those two, three months, my career's over, screw it, I'll just stay at home and, 
pick up my money and just move on to something else. No, I'm going to go and, and persevere and put things back in my hands. And then, and then if it didn't work, at least I know, and I can rest easy at night to say, well, I did everything I could in my power that to put myself back in the game. Is it you that has like, is it, you know, what you're repeating to us now, is that like your self-talk or is that, do you talk to, you know, people that are within your circle and how do you come to this kind of, uh, how do you make these decisions and, and build this sort of path or, or game plan for how you're going to turn things around? Well, the, one of the, the good things I've, I've now, again, I realize and I don't even realize at the time, I've, I've kept an incredibly small circle around me. So because my dad used to be a professional and my mom's an incredibly driven and, and hard, um, hard-headed person, but she believes in the right things. I, I, only, I always, always have my parents and my, my wife, um, you know, and, and that was my circle, really. I didn't, I haven't had too many, you know, you, I know lots of people, but I've never had too many close friends. I've just had my family. And that's always been my, my motto is to, to just do what I can, control what I can control, play, believe in my talent, believe what I can, my skills. And that's always kind of worked well for me. And I don't didn't, don't think of it until now. You know, obviously some people can get professional help and guidance and and that has a place and time for everything for sure. But really it's just keeping those people around me that, that cared um, really, really small. And they've helped me through these good times and bad times and and really just help keep me as grounded as possible. And I'm the same as me today as I was 15 and as I was 30 years ago. And and really that's that's helped me not get too involved and too distracted from other, uh, other things around me also. We've spoken a lot about bigger picture kind of issues to deal with, whether it's been playing or, you know, uh, as, as we sort of referred to at the top as being a refugee, like these are huge things that happen in your life and in your career. But in the microcosm of being a goalkeeper and in the heat of the moment when things go wrong, um, you make a mistake, as I sort of said earlier, it can cost the team. In, invariably, it does. Um, and the, the game is so fast, you've got to move on quickly. You can't think about that as a goalkeeper. You can't lose your confidence. You need to be able to come off your line. You need to feel like you're going to make the next save. You need to be decisive. What do you do in a game when something doesn't go your way and you need to move on quickly? Yeah, well, again, I, I, that's where the bigger picture thing really comes, comes, comes in, in, in hand. And I think, you know, I look at games as a collective and, you know, you might have made a mistake or, you know, well, you make mistakes every game. I've never seen anyone have a perfect game before, whether that's miss hitting a, a strike or mistiming a cross, of course, maybe making a direct mistake that leads to a goal, whatever the size of the error may be, like you're always going to make errors. And that's what I, I always analyze my games and that was I, was I clean? You know, did I, how always the most pleasing games for me is even when I lose a draw, of course, from an individual point of view, can I be as clean as possible? You know, if I, if I hit my target from goal kicks nine out of 10 times, that's very good. I catch seven out of 10 crosses or whatever it may be. And, and if we save four to five shots, that's a pretty high percentage of good things. Now, all those one or two missing everywhere. Absolutely. We want, we go back on the training on tomorrow. We try and try and make that hundred percent in each, in each category. 
but I, I, I don't let one action define define me or define my game. And I think I, I can go away from um, the game thinking, okay, I had a good game here. Of course, not perfect. Um, but I just try and obviously make sure that, and that's what people have always said, well, you know what you, if you know what you're going to get from your goalkeeper, I think that's always a good thing. So if I can be that seven, seven out of 10 every week, six, seven out of 10, just be solid as every week or most weeks than not, I think that always holds bigger value than being amazing one game, being not so good the next and, 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 and so on and so forth. So I always thought if I, if I can generalize everything, do everything in the game at a high level and a consistent level, that, that will be the biggest you know, part of my success. What about missing a penalty and then saving one? Well, that's what you did, right? Early yeah. This season. No, well. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I, you know, I won't be on anyone's um, top penalty list anytime soon. All, all I can say was that that was never trained for and that was never planned. So I, um, <laughs> of all, out of all these years, that's only ever happened once. I'm on the, the best pleasing thing. It was when you always look at the positives. I hit the target. Um, it was a good save by Wayne Hennessy. So that's all I can say. And then thank, thank the Lord that he um, he missed the target after that. And um, I was able to save the one after and win us the, win us the game. So, yeah, you need a bit of luck as well. What can I say? But even though you say you needed a bit of luck, there still comes about that immediate response. And you see it in games, especially when people play teams who counterattack fast. You could be watching the whole game, your team's on top. And, you know, there are games where you're kind of going in, you need the three points or you need a point, whatever the case may be, and it's not coming. You know, today we are not scoring. But 10 seconds later, you're called into action after not being in action for 40 minutes. How do you flip that switch? Because surely there's an element of, not frustrating at the players, but frustration just building up tension in the game and within you because you're watching this. How do you flip that switch? It's, it's quite similar to me, for me as the penalty. You take a penalty um, and then you save a penalty. Well, I think it's it's very difficult to flick that switch. And, and, and I think you're right. I, I I think if you were doing nothing for a certain amount of time, then it's, it's very difficult. Now, one, one of the things that I try and do is I stay in the game all the time. So I, I really, I honestly think everything's important in the game. Every every pass, every throw, every long distribution, every cross, every through ball, my positioning, my, my communication. And of course, at the end, maybe the most important course is the shot stopping. But if I'm involved and take every action seriously, then maybe the more important one is, as you say, the penalty or, or a big save doesn't become such a big deal, which then obviously doesn't up, you know, up any pressure in you doesn't cause a huge amount of, you know, um, cheer or, or disappointment. And that, that's what I think is important. So by communicating, taking care of every single action, you're always in the game. And that, that's one of the things, I mean, I never, I don't get involved, you know, I don't get too angry about it now. But when someone says to you, you did nothing, you did, oh, you, you weren't busy today. I always used to think, you know, they, and I know they want me to bite and get angry. But when I then, you know, analyze my game on a Monday for half an hour and that throwaway comment happens, you think people really don't understand a thing. And, you know, every action that I 
that we do on, on the, in the game is, is being analyzed. So I, yeah, I had nothing to do, but I, you know, 30 kicks, I three, took three crosses. I was well positioned for four through balls. Yeah. I made a couple of simple, maybe saves that people think. And, um, it was still as big of a game as anything else. That's just because someone on TV might have seen one or two more saves. It doesn't mean that everything else goes in the bin. So I think just by being in, in every action, being in every game, um, helps you deal with potentially bigger moments in the game a little bit easier. I wish a lot of people can be that can't, but they, I'm not going to say they can't, they choose not to be. So where has Asmir developed these strategies to be able to, because something must get you rattled. Come on, something, something. Yeah, no, well, listen, don't get me wrong, I'm not perfect. Um, a referee talking back to me or something, uh, my blood will will boil and I try to keep those <laughs> to a minimum don't, or, or, or else I'm stopping a cross or something. Um, you know, my blood does boil, don't, don't get me wrong, but I think as, as, as age and experience comes in, that happens a lot less than it used to. Um, so that, 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 that's something you really can't teach, time and experience. And going through experience, it's easy for me to talk to you guys. I've, I've played this game for 17 years, of whatever how many games I've played. So it's much easier than 10 years ago. I didn't have all these coping mechanisms. I didn't have a strategy. Yes, life for me was important. That helped me balance. Do I study the sport? Absolutely. Do I read books? Absolutely. Do I read, Ryan, about you people in your profession? Absolutely. Um, am I reading books about LeBron James, uh, about Tom Brady? 100%. You know, you have to bring in things into your game, into your way of thinking from other people who've done it in, in top of the game. Talk to them. Study it. Yes, I'm a little bit of a nerd. I watch YouTube's video, YouTube videos or you know, I read books all the time, whatever it may be, but I study it all the time. It doesn't, nobody gave it to me um, as much as, yes, life taught me, my family taught me for sure, but I, I study all the time. Um, I'm about to read Tim Grover's book, Winning. I'm sure I'll pick up one or two things from there. Why wouldn't you? When it, uh, well, well, I love Relentless. So the, these are things I'm learning all the time and, and um you know, I think it's important to, to continue to try and improve. And that's what it goes back to your first question earlier. I haven't really had time to think what's happened before because I'm, I'm still trying to keep learning now and, and be the best version I can be. Talking about learning, Asmir, you worked with Jose Mourinho, quite the character, a resilient character, mm -hmm. a character that has won a lot, but also come into criticism as well uh, in more recent years. And one who seems quite divisive in terms of players, they've kind of seem to love him or they don't get on of him. And what did you take from your experience from Jose? What did he teach you as a player, as a personality and as a person? Well, I mean, he, um, you know, what I, what I really enjoyed about working with him, he was, he was a straight shooter and he held you accountable every single day and he held you accountable every single game. You know, if you were, you know, if, I don't know if this is the right thing to be, but if you made him, if you made a mistake or cost the team, he'd let you know, man. But if if you made that one save or had a really good game, he'd be the first to come and give you a cuddle and a kiss. So he was as straight as they come. He held you accountable, and and he loved big characters. And then that's that's why the relationship worked, and that's why we were able to 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 cope with each other and learn from each other because he was just as straight as they come, and he had big expectations. And that was the probably 
the biggest learning from for me is how big his demands were. And that helped take myself and my game, my, my training, my everything to the highest level because, you know, sometimes people need to pull you up to that level. And uh, he certainly did that. Then you were AC Milan. Um, I was a childhood AC Milan fan and I've always wanted to know what Milan Lab is like. What was that like at AC Milan? I've heard a lot of players talk about... Um, I interviewed Rude Hullet a long time ago and he said to me, playing in Italy was a job and playing in the Premier League was fun. Obviously, football's changed a lot since then. But And Romelu Lukaku recently said that training in Italy is, is another level. Did you have that experience? Um, is that how you perceived it? And what is it like at Milan in terms of expectations and Milan, and Milan Lab? Oh, well, I mean, first and foremost, it was one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, what a club and what a city, what's... What a fan-based tradition. I mean, you know, if there's better clubs in the world, you sometimes think you'd love to see it. Um, but Milanello was a special place um, outside the city in its own little village. Very, very um, isolated, you can say. But yeah, you had everything there. I mean, from the pitches to the training facilities, to the gym, to the medical facilities. I don't, I don't think I could have said that anything was missing. I, I really don't remember it. I, there's nothing that you can ask. And it's, it is a 24-7 thing. I mean, the, the way they look after you, they treat your body. Um, you know, you have your, the chefs there that cook exactly what you want. The hotel is there. Um, it's, it's been, it was an incredible experience and an eye-opener because it really is. It, the Italian way, it teaches you 24-7 how to be an athlete and how to be a football player. Now, I had a good taste of that at Chelsea and try and you know try to really implement that to myself to be absolutely 365 24 7 but they are they are very very much into it and just some of the best people and staff you'll you'll ever meet and um they look after the players immaculately well come on tell us what was Zlatan like because he I, I need to know what sort of an animal he was in training and how demanding he was well that that was you know it's funny because um when we joined, I mean, and I say we, um, so I joined the first week of January of 2020. And one of the reasons was because that was the youngest team. They were the youngest team in Serie A. They were relinquishing mid-table 11th, 12th place, which is for AC Milan criminal. But that was part of the long-term vision. It was obviously they, they, they got rid of a lot of players, brought in a lot of young players. But when the new manager came in about October time, he said, listen, I do need some experience here because um, – they need to help us win, but also need to help set the standards every day. Um, so Zlatan, Simon Kier, and myself came in one for one of those reasons. That was one of the main reasons. And training soon became some of, you know, some of the most amazing training sessions I've ever seen. I mean, we it, it was like, it was almost like war. You know, it was nil-nil, one-nil, one-one. It wasn't, you know, you dare not lose in training. And the, the competition and the competitive spirit was incredibly high, which then translated to games we went 13 unbeaten qualified for Europe from a long way away and Zlatan was the leader of that to be honest and I knew my role and our Simon was well we were behind them but he led I mean you so much as misplace a pass in training you'd know about it um you so much come into training you know shoulders slouched down not with not the energy and want to train he'll let you know about it and uh, it was so eye-opening, and you can just see the type of animal that he is. And you have to be to, to compete at the highest level at the age that he is and what he's done in his career. 
you see the drive that it takes to, to be there. And um, I thought it was incredibly eye-opening and, and really took a lot from him. And, and what did you, obviously, Donnarumma has had quite the summer. Um, what did you make of him as a character and as a player? Fantastic. Yeah, just a um, special player, special goalkeeper. Um, and Riley now getting his, you know, rewards and the recognition. I mean, what's hurt him probably a little bit over the last three, four years, the fact that Milan have been in a bit of a bad spot and he wasn't able to show off his ability at the highest level at Champions League, Europa Leagues. And then obviously Gigi Buffon playing so incredibly, he hasn't really got a chance in the last, since well, until the last two or three years. So, yeah, an incredible physical specimen. Again, great willingness, attitude to work, to get better, to fight every single day. And then obviously that translated into games. But yeah, I think he has everything a goalkeeper would ever want. Um, and <clears throat> talking of another great, Lionel Messi. Now you represented your country at a World Cup, first of all. What is that like, especially your country's first ever World Cup? I mean, the pride, everything that nation had been through, everything you'd been through to get there. Tell me what, what that was like. And then to not only get there, but then face Argentina in the group and arguably the greatest player of all time. Well, it was an incredible experience. Um, yeah, to play for your national team many times is incredible to then qualify for a first ever major tournament. Yeah, it was just absolutely amazing. And then for it to be in Brazil, for us, first game to be in Rio de Janeiro, to Maracanã against Messi and Argentina. I mean, honestly, it was a fairy tale script that you couldn't write, couldn't think of any better. Um, but firstly, playing in the World Cup was probably my career highlights. Uh, full of other things that you said earlier is, is very nice. But to play there was, was just special, it was special. I mean, it was an incredible experience. Um, and then the first game, so magical at the Maracanã. We trained there the night before. I mean, the pitch was like an absolute carpet, never seen anything like it. Um, the stadium was just perfect, beautiful. Had my whole family there then for the game. You know, we gave it a really good go. We were unlucky with an own goal and obviously a bit of magic from Messi and you end up losing 2-1. And, you know, that's that's the way football goes. But, yeah, just a magical experience. You know, I could have retired after that tournament and said, well, I'd lived a dream. So it was that special to me. My last question before you were to go was going to be, you know, what kind of resources from your, from your experience would you recommend for a young player coming up to either read, watch, or, you know, just embark on so that they can maybe take some of the wisdom you acquired along the, along the years, which has supported your resilience? Well, I mean, where, where do I, where do I start? I really, you know, I, I don't think you can, you can ever, I mean, just because I consume so much sport, I consume, so much around sport you know I, I appreciate coaches i appreciate psychologists life coaches i appreciate sports science so like i know i know so much about it and because i've really and that I've, I've the one thing i would say guys is that i i've made okay if it was sort of because it was in my family as well but this has been my life you know i'm 34 now but i was following my dad's footsteps from the age of four so i've been in this 30 years and we talk about calm, everything else. Like it is easy. It's so much easier for me to talk to you guys. Now we talk about 10 years ago. It's, it wasn't the same thing, but now I've seen so much. Um, I've seen so many good things. I know what it takes to, to do the things consistently. Well, um, I also know what it's like to be 
in a bad patch when things aren't going well, the ball isn't hitting you or the club want to get rid of you or whatever it may be. Someone doesn't believe in you. So I've seen it. So it's a little bit easier now, but it's so much easier when, when you see other examples. I mean, you know, yeah, we, we, we talk about Tim Grover's books. Fantastic. Um, anything again from Tom Brady. Amazing. You look at his TB12 method, um, any programs on him. I thought he's one of my heroes. I absolutely um, love how, again, what this one the thing Tom Brady has taught me like American football, but football is his life. He eats, sleeps, and trains football. He analyzes everything. He trains his body, his mind, whatever it is. And I think if you make it your life, like it, I think it, it, it helps you a lot more because you can then also analyze, okay, well, this is what I can potentially do better. But, you know, I think that that's really, really important. Um, you know, so those are sort of resources I really like. Um, but that's worked for me. I, I, you know, I, I couldn't say for certain it's going to work for, for somebody else. I mean, golfers are an incredible breed. Um, I think when you um, read Dan Abraham's book and um, he's, he's very good. I mean, he's on social media. You can, you can listen to his kind of stuff and how he compartmentalizes things. Um, but, you know, those are the sort of resources I would recommend and people to listen to man get these podcasts on the go whatever whatever it is you can do i think it's i think it's awesome if you were to give one piece of advice to uh, a young pro a young goalkeeper coming up um what would it be what would you tell them what's the one thing they need to do to thrive as a professional resilience ben you know one thing um I, I say this, I've, I've spoken to kids, done a bit of a couple of speaking engagements and everyone, guys, I mean, you know, it's like everyone sees you in those match attacks cards and sees you driving your nice car, living in a nice home. Like I said to them, you think this, do you think this is lovely? You think this is easy? This career is brutal. This career is brutal. It's not for everybody. It's just not for everybody. You understand the, the downs, the doubt people, the, the, the scrutiny, the criticism. The pain on your body is just not for everybody. You know, I am I can speak now from experience. Like the amount it takes to get my body to 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 go every day, every season, last year, 50 plus games, it's an all-in commitment. And it's not for everybody. And that's where I've seen over the last whatever, how many years I've been professional, whatever you want to call it, 15, 20 years, how many people have fallen off the train? Because the train never stops. And better never stops, but people get off it all the time. So you're either on it and you're all in on it or you're not. So understand that this is a career that isn't for everybody. But if you are wanting to do it, make sure you give it everything you have and make sure you understand that you're going to face a lot of difficult moments and probably more difficult moments than good ones. But those difficult moments will make those good ones. Yeah, when we lift a trophy, when you get a player of the year, whatever it may be, they make it so much sweeter. Absolutely love hearing about that hard work and dedication, Asmir. Obviously, people see what the fame and fortune that footballers get and they don't appreciate the sacrifice and dedication and the hard work that goes in day in, day out to getting to where you need to be, reaching those levels, staying there and maintaining consistency over their career, which you've managed to do. And that's testament to the process and framework that you've developed for yourself and the hard work that you continue to put in every day. So 
Thank you for coming on today and sharing your insight and expertise. And I'm sure anyone listening to this conversation will take inspiration from it and confidence and go out there and start making things happen for themselves. So again, extremely grateful for you coming on today and thanks for giving up your time and chatting to us. Has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. For Esmir to achieve what he has after such a traumatic start to life is truly inspiring. It takes a unique character to turn that experience into a positive and develop a process and psychological framework that has enabled him to perform consistently throughout his career, handling setbacks with resilience and self-belief. Thankfully for anyone who downloaded this episode, Asmir was kind enough to share the techniques that have helped him develop this mindset, helping you to become a better athlete. So I'd like to take this opportunity to thank him for his time and willingness to share. Now, do you remember Asmir mentioning a sports psychologist called Dan Abrahams in the final segment of the show? Well, I'm excited to tell you Dan will be joining us next week to talk about focus. I guarantee you'll take something really useful from that chat. Make sure you don't miss that episode by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave a five-star review and share the pod around. It would be much appreciated. Make sure you take the time to come and find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram with the Performance Lab podcast. Hit follow and stay up to date with all our latest content. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.